All right. Well, you're going to get your money's worth tonight because we're going to we're going to do a whole book of the Bible tonight. All right. <laughs> and you didn't even have to pay extra. So we are looking at the book of Second John. It's an interesting book because it's still by the author that we've been studying for several weeks, but this is kind of a postcard of a summary of what we've already studied with the Apostle John in 1 John and kind of a culmination of what he talked about with our love of God, our standing with God, and because of that, we have the love of God because God is love. And tonight he's going to really delve into this subject of truth because this is kind of like the goalposts in college football. If you're kicking a field goal, you have one side that's out of bounds and the other side out of bounds. And that's exactly how John is portraying this subject matter tonight with truth and love that if you're between those two with the football of life, you're going to score a touchdown. So we're going to look at that in more detail this evening. Speaking of football, I know the Crockett's will really enjoy this story. So Daryl Royal was the coach of the University of Texas from 1957 until 1976. He was a phenomenal coach. He won 20 seasons, three national titles, and 11 conference titles during that career. And he always stressed in his uh, dialogue of how he wanted to run the team that he wanted it to be more of a running team than a passing team. In other words, he trained the linemen to line up and he trained, trained the running backs to run and be the best that they could be in the running game. And in one of the title games, he showed up to a team that had a particular uh, successful record in stopping the run. And so the commentator got on the sidelines with Daryl and started asking him, hey, are you kind of worried about this game today? Because, you know, this team's pretty good at stopping the run. And uh, Daryl just stood there, you know, very calmly. And the commentator said, so in light of that, are you going to change your strategy? Are you going to throw the ball more? And Daryl said in a very, very calm voice, no, we're going to dance with the one who brung us. In other words, he was explaining to them that he was not going to change his strategy, that their success had been built on running the football. And just because this team was good at a particular aspect of that, it didn't warrant changing your game plan. And that's exactly what the Apostle John is portraying to us tonight in 2 John, is that we've been given everything for life and godliness, as Brother Peter talked about. But in addition to that, John's going to give us some directions that because of our standing in Christ and who we know He is, you should never change your game plan, despite the chaos of the world, despite false teachers coming and telling you something different, despite people and the philosophies of the world telling us that we're just nonsensical people because we believe in somebody that died and rose again, 
and that uh, we actually put our faith and trust in that for the very life of our lives. So what he's telling us is that we're going to dance with the one who brung you tonight. So in that vein, John continues his encouragement from Ephesus. John is the apostle of, of intimacy. John is concerned with our fellowship, that is our closeness with the Lord Jesus Christ through truth and love. I love this passage that we studied just at the end of 1 John. It's 1 John 5, 19 and 20. John said, we know that we are from God. That's an important statement. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. See, the Apostle Paul is kind of turning the corner here now of what he's talked about in 1 John about us knowing God personally, knowing that God is love, knowing that because he is love and the love now resides in us, we can love as God loves. And in fact, it's uh, uncanny that I'm bringing this message tonight because I was the one that brought you the message on love from 1 John. So, uh, I'm going to turn the corner tonight and kind of paint the whole picture between the goalposts of both truth and love for you. So that verse 19 said, we know, we know that we are of God. We know that. We know that the Son of God has come. He is true, and we are in Him. This is the true God, and in John 14, 6 is this famous passage where he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So truth here is not just a concept. It's not a collection of facts and figures and other things that uh, we sometimes associate it with. In fact, in this day and age, when there is no absolute truth but relative truth, it's basically your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. When in fact, Scripture says... And Jesus himself said that he is the way and the truth and the life. In other words, truth is a person. It's not a concept. And so that's why John has spent so much time in 1 John in his exposition of who God is and why we should know that we are in him. So how do we know this? How do we know this? And I put there in, re, in parentheses, relax, unless you're open for suggestions, I'll run through these scriptures pretty quickly. But I did put them there because I wanted to summarize, as I started studying this passage, how many times John had referenced this type of subject in 1 John. And you'll see that most of those passages, with exception of the few that I put there that are from the New Testament, uh, other parts of the New Testament, I should say, um, relate to what he already said in 1 John. So as I said when I started off, this is kind of a postcard 
of where John's been. In other words, he's already explained who God is, who we are in Christ, who we are in God, and how that relates to love. Now he's going to express how it relates to truth. So a belief in Jesus. Of course, this comes from 1 John 3.23, that it's not just um, a intellectual knowledge of Christ or who Christ was, but that it's an actual personal knowledge of him as your Lord and Savior. Numerous places that Jesus references, if you keep my commandments, it is I who love you and you who love me. We're not, we're in the world, but we're not to be of it. That's that famous 1 John 2nd verse that says, if you're a lover of the world, you're not a lover of God. We proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 20, or 2, 20 through 23, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus Christ And he who denies the Father and the Son, no one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. I put there dead to sin. The most active verse that talks about that is Romans 6, 1 through 4 and 6. It references that we have been crucified or baptized with Christ into his death. And it says because of that, we no longer have the power of sin operating in us. And you're saying, but Jeff, I still sin. Well, that's because you still have a flesh part of you. The flesh part of you is still influenced by the world and Satan and other things that one day we will be rid of that as well. Christ in you, a living hope, Colossians 1.27, one of the best verses for that. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the very presence of Christ himself in you. Living through him, Romans 5.17, talks about the transgression of the one resulted in death, which is Satan or Adam, and that by the death of the other one, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the gift of the righteousness that that secured, we will reign in life. One of the few verses that sum up the gospel probably in one verse is that Romans 5.17 verse. Has given us the Holy Spirit. You'll recall that uh, it talks about giving us the Holy Spirit. By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. We remain in His love. That abide word means that you're hanging out with whom you're abiding in. In other words, we abide in Jesus because we're hanging out with him all the time. We're thinking about him. We're reading about him. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to allow his thoughts to be our thoughts. We remain in his love, John 15, 5. 
Remember, that's a famous passage. It's one of my favorite passages of all Scripture is the vine discourse just before Jesus goes to the cross. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you're connected to me, you abide in me, you, you will produce much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. And then life now and eternal life to look forward to. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and delivered himself up for me. So I wanted to point that out because it strengthens where we're going with this. Because we are in Christ and abide with Christ, that naturally flows in John's argument that we're filled with truth and love. He already talked about love in 1 John, and now he's going to talk about that we are filled with his truth, the truth that comes from the absolute source of it, God himself. So let's take a look at this passage. We've got 13 verses. It says, The elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us, and will be with us forever. Now, I like that the way it starts out, the elder part there is John in his old age. He's writing this from Ephesus. Most scholars think he was around 90 years old when he wrote this, uh, when he wrote this portion of Scripture. And he's talking to the elect lady, the elect lady and her children. Now, I could just stop there this evening, and we could just look at the word elect, and I can guarantee most of you would either be mad or embracing me by the end of it. So we're not going to do that, but it, it does have some connotations to it. And the easiest way I thought to explain this word elect tonight, especially for us, is to use an example. And I brought my, one of my uh, cherished possessions from my past life. This is, uh, this is old Bill. Now, old Bill, I received uh, very, very many years ago, about 46 years ago, when I first had my real job out of college from ROTC and went into the military. This was my first real job in the U.S. Army, and I was with an Air Cavalry Squadron. And Old Bill represents Old Jeff. And I'll read the inscription for you. This is to 2nd Lieutenant Jeff Russell. November 1977 through April of 1979, in appreciation of a job well done from the officers, 2nd Squadron, 17th Cavalry, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Now, what's so interesting about this is the dates. November 1977 through April of 1979 was at the peak of old Jeff's life. And needless to say, old Jeff 
I will only say had a colorful lifestyle. And if I were to go into any detail about what went on between those dates, at the very least, Alice would be blushing. And at the very worst, I may not be asked to come back and speak. <laughs> so I will dispense of the details that were involved in between those dates, only to say that God was tracking me down. He was chasing me down like Jackie Gleason <laughs> in The Bandit. <laughs> and... Um, I had no interest in God. I had no interest in being saved. I had no interest in anything of that sort. And yet God chased me down and showered me with his uh, grace and his love that eventually got my attention. And I came to know the Lord as my Lord and Savior in the early months of 1980. And so I am very thankful for that. And I point that out only to say, I don't know who was chasing who. I don't think I was chasing him, but he was certainly chasing me and planting seeds in my life and putting people in my life to divert me from what Jeff described Sunday in his sermon as a path that I wanted to go this way, and God had a completely different path for me to go this way. And in his sovereignty... He can accomplish what he wants to do. So whether you call that elect or not, um, it is what it is. And I'm thankful that uh, John addresses these people that through their circumstances have become believers in Jesus Christ. And he says, whom I love in truth, but also all those who know the truth. And because of the truth that abides in us, so he uses kind of three different illustrations of that, and they come directly from 1 John, where he'd already addressed this. He talked about loving brothers and sisters in the Lord, whom I love, who John loves in truth, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And he talks about love for one another, but also all those who know the truth, which John 3 says is a love for one another. And because of the truth that abides in us, we will know this love and truth forever and ever. In other words, knowing God. So I put there, love must be based on truth. So what is truth? What is truth? In fact, a very famous Roman governor asked that of Jesus. What's truth? What's truth, Jesus? Well, my, one of my favorite pastors, Tony Evans, says this. It's an absolute standard by which reality is measured. It's an absolute standard by which reality is measured. And to put it more simply, it's what God says on any subject because he is truth and he is ruler in perfect manner. 
So if that's what truth is, we can relate that back to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, being the perfect God-man, and know that he was telling the truth when he told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So for loving and it's based in truth, it has some outsprings to it, which is in verse 3. The blessings of both truth and love. I put there after the, uh, the passages, which I'm going to get to in just a moment, love plus truth equals an environment in which grace, mercy, and peace will be with us. In other words, if you have truth and love, it produces grace, mercy, and peace. Regrettably, we often act as though grace, mercy, and peace depend on love minus truth. And if you'll hold that thought, we're going to come back to this in verse 7 and 8, because John was aware of this as well, with the false teachers that were rolling through during his time, preaching a gospel that did not uh, adhere to the, the, the deity of Christ or the, uh, the efficiency of Christ. Let's take a look at verse 4. It's on their back. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth. In other words, John was happy that he found some of those that uh, those believers that had adhered to the love of what they knew they were, and they were walking in the truth, just as we're commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Where have you heard that before? Several passages in 1 John, right? because he was talking about knowing God and knowing the love of God. And because we know the love of God, we're able to express the love of God by loving one another. So we're walking in truth, which produces love. 1 John 2, 5, and 6. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, I don't know about you, but when you think about walking as Jesus walked, I'm not very good at it unless I'm drawing from a source that's not me. And that's exactly what John is saying. Just as he outlined in 1 John, we can't love like God unless we're loving from the source that he's placed in us. We can't love in truth unless the truth is the truth that we're drawing from divinely imputed to us. So it encompasses uh, this fact of truth again, and that truth is more than what we know. Truth is more than facts. Truth lives in us and it changes us. Truth becomes part of us and it will be always be with us because it's 
part of the DNA, the new creation that God inspired to us when he changed us from old Jeff. I like this story. It says that facts often don't reveal truth. Have you ever thought of that? A lot of people are all wrapped up in how much they know, how much fact gathering they can gather about a subject, which they then think translates to the truth of it. Not necessarily, and I'll give you an example. Say that I have a headache, and I determine that I need to get rid of that headache. The fact is, I have a headache. So I get down my Tylenol, and I start taking Tylenol for this headache, which doesn't get rid of the fact, the fact that I still have a headache. Now, if I go to the doctor, and he does a brain scan on me and finds a tumor... Well, then that's truth. That's the truth of the matter about why the fact of the matter lines up with that. And we can use that example in a lot of other kinds of illustrations, particularly in a world that is not adhered to absolute truth. And it's relative truth. And if you can find enough facts to support relative truth, well, then it becomes your truth. And that's the danger of what we're seeing in a lot of different social aspects of our society and a different relation aspects of our society. All kinds of craziness going on in our world because uh, someone has found enough facts that they think that will translate to the truth of a subject. But the truth of the subject is a person in Jesus Christ, which we just uh, talked about and that we love one another because of that. John 5, 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? Sacrificially, compassionately, like the Father, like the Son. Agape love, giving himself up for the good of us. Even old Jeff, that was a sinner. I love that new song that's out. I love the, the uh, lyrics to it. It's called Jesus Does, and it's by We the Kingdom. The first verse says this, Who tells, who tells the sun to rise every morning? Colors the sky with the shades of His glory. Wakes us with mercy and love. Jesus does. Who holds the orphan, comforts the widow, cries for injustice, fills every sorrow, carries the path of his children? Jesus does. So we sing praise to the Father who gave us the Son, praise to the Spirit who's living in us. When I was a sinner, he saved me from who I was, because that's what Jesus does. That's what he did to old Jeff. Verse 6, And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you had heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. What is the commandment? Well, John has pointed that out several times now. Walking in truth and love, walking in truth and love. Now this walking, 
should symbolize to you something that we do every day and take for granted, putting one foot in front of the other. Walking by truth and love is a deed. It's an act of the will. It's not a feeling. And so it's the feet over our feelings and moving out in faith in drawing the source divinely inspired in each of us that's going to allow him to do the walking for us. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So as partakers with the divine nature of Christ, this is not a suggestion. In fact, in various parts of Scripture, the Apostle Paul says that if we walk by the flesh, our old fleshly nature, if we walk by that on our own uh, selfishness and all those other things old Jeff was, we must die. And he will orchestrate things in our life to make that a reality in some aspects. And it's not a physical death, but it will experience death spiritually. We're not connected to the source anymore. So we turn the corner here with verses 7 and 8, and I'm referencing you back to verse 3 because I told you that a lot of times we're looking at this subject matter and some people will say that grace and mercy and peace depend on love minus truth. And when you do that, you end up with these warnings that John is going to express to us for the remainder of these verses. 7 and 8. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what you have worked for, but may win your full reward. Now he's, talk, he's going to talk about two warnings. This first warning that I just read references a connection to rewards. And as you recall, I referenced the verse in John 15 that our rewards are based on our connection to Him. In other words, if you're a good branch grafted to vine Jesus, you're going to bear good divine fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Some things well, a couple things well, Maybe one thing, well, no. Jesus is saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so if we're, if we're deceived by a false teacher or someone that's uh, eloquent in their communication, and they don't believe in the fundamental truth that Jesus Christ came as the God-man, He died on a cross for our sins, He was buried, He rose again the third day, and we have life in Him, and you allow them into your settings and congregations, that you could lose a reward. In other words, you become disconnected from the vine, and you're operating in the flesh. And as uh, John 15, 6 says, those branches that don't bear divine fruit are gathered up, 
and they're burned. They're, they're set on fire and they're burned. One of the regrets I have and old Jeff has is that I didn't come to Christ until 1980, which means I was in my almost late 20s. So I missed a lot of those moments and the life of Christ I could have had if I would have come to him as a child. And I regret that because those are, those are things that are not coming back, and I regret those wasted years. But I'm equally excited about what he's doing now. Then it gets even worse. John says in verse 9, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So I believe he's talking about it. it says, we go back to the opening of my story that whatever comes our way, either false teachers or philosophies or uh, the New Age movement or whatever's coming down the pike, that we need to stand strong as believers in who we are because we are who we are. And that to abandon that has a pretty severe warning to it. So I said there, let's live by the one who brung us. We, we need to always remember that and always abide in the teaching that we've learned from the beginning. John further accentuates this by saying, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him a greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now I have a question for you tonight because this bothered me what John was saying. So if you go back and we look at what he says in 1 John, that we're given the life of Christ, we're given His love, we know God, we're in God, we're in Christ, therefore we have the ability to love as He loved. Why are we not loving this person that is a false teacher wanting to come into our house? And then further, Jesus said, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Though this is certainly an enemy. Why aren't we loving them? Any thoughts on that? Brother Bob. Yeah, I think uh, this whole thing, First John, Second John, Third is all just talking about Gnosticism. We've discussed this in this tonight here. But these people were wrecking havoc in those little house churches, destroying their faith, leading them away, and just destroying their, their lives. So he says, if anybody comes to you and abides not in this doctrine, what doctrine is he talking about? The doctrine. Christ, mm -hmm. the God man, died on the cross, buried and rose again, the things that we should dance with on what we promise. And he's saying, if they come, don't let them in your house. This lady had been guilty of practicing hospitality. We all know about hospitality in the New Testament. And he said, don't let them in your house because they will receive you and cause you much pain and destroy the church. Mm -hmm. God is very, very jealous for his church. Yes. I think the reason that he tells us. 
when Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door, I don't let them in. I don't argue with them. I don't talk to them. Mormons come. I don't talk to them. I don't try to leave them in Jesus. I just let them go. I don't say, have a good night. I say, don't let the dog bite you. That's all. And I, I, I believe that's what we still need to do today. And I think we understand we love our enemies. And you can pray for them as they walk down the road. Mm -hmm. You can call your neighbor and say, don't let these people in your house come to your house next. <laughs> but I do believe this is God's warning to keep the church keeping on with things, as you said at the very beginning, dancing with what brought us. Yep. Thank you, sir. Absolutely perfect answer. I uh, totally agree with that. And that's what I was going to expound upon, but now I don't. We take the offering next time. <laughs> <laughs> and I also point out if you look at if if you look at the ministry of our Lord, um, he he did not shun the Pharisees. But he had a lot of choice words for the Pharisees. But he never invited the Pharisees into the inner circle of the apostleship and what he was teaching. So he was still reaching out to them. I think he had compassion for them. I think he had love for them that they would change, they would choose, and they would see the light and their hearts would be revived. But in the end, truth, you have to love in truth and the truth warranted that they did not believe who he was and it has consequences and that's exactly what bob said about i think we should have that same attitude today in the church and protect our doctrine protect the glory of the lord so wrapping this up verse 12 though i have much to write to you i would rather not use paper and ink Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. So that our joy may be complete. First John 2, 21 and 23 says this, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. A pretty simplistic statement of our fundamental doctrine. And as Pastor has shared previously, there's a lot of areas of the church that we can disagree on. We can disagree on music. We can disagree on dispensations. We can disagree on a lot of things in the church. But on the fundamental doctrine of our Lord, there is to be no disagreement. So the corporate fellowship that John is talking about here with the two goalposts of truth and love ultimately bring his peace, grace, and mercy, but it also brings his joy. One other thing is that John 8.32, that is that if we walk or we adopt the truth, and Jesus said, if you adopt my truth, which is me, 
the truth will set you free. So what it means is that a lot of times when we have issues in our life, we go to all different kinds of resources and other sources to find the truth about that situation when in fact the truth is in you in the person of Jesus Christ and it's in this book that was written which is ultimate truth. So even in your problems this week, as they come up, take these words of advice. Check out the Word first and the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's saying about that matter in your life first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for Your death and resurrection. Father, we thank You that You're a living Lord. Father, I thank You that You fill us with You, the Holy Spirit, and Lord, that um, we can draw our very life from You, which is the truth and which is love. And Father, I pray that we would be obedient with our will to follow our feet and not our feelings as we run across those in a fallen world that are going to act fallen. And Lord, that we would love them with truth. And Father, that we would draw them into the fold because they see a difference in us. Lord, we're asking that uh, you strengthen and just uh, undergird all these families here tonight, that you would uh, fulfill your purpose in them this week. And Lord, that you would be glorified in everything that we do and say. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.